exciting having the children learning from the Word of God, isn't it? Join with me, in your, if you would, in your Bibles, Ezra and chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra 7, verse 10. As I was reading to my devotions this week, I came across this passage. It encouraged my heart, and I hope it will encourage yours this morning as well. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. The Bible says of Ezra, the man of God who went and led the people of God back to a place of victory to begin to return to the land that God had promised them. It says of his life the following words. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Would you read that verse together with me? Ready, begin. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had some preparation before his mission. He had a well-established heart. This word prepared is a key word in the verse. Ezra had prepared. I looked up the word. The word to prepare here, it's speaking of to be established, to be fixed, to be focused. It's talking about a determination that he had. It was set. He didn't have this moving foundation in his life. He was built on stable ground, and Ezra had purposed in his heart, much like Daniel of old, and Ezra had prepared his heart. He had his heart focused and fixed. It reminded me, when I read this, of a passage in Psalms. When we think of the well-established heart. I mean, a well-established heart is built upon a rock, which is the Word of God, and it has the water of the Word of God growing and flowing through our life. And those trees are firmly established on those rocks because their roots are deep. A well-established heart. Our hearts ought to be like those trees in the picture, firmly established upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what Ezra had going on in his life. David says in Psalms 57, verses 7 through 9, My heart is fixed. Now, he's not saying that he, he just has a heart that's only repaired. He's really speaking about a heart not only is repaired, but it's also focused on God. He says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and will give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake. What does he say? He says, I myself will awake and help me. I need you all to say it louder. We'll have to say it again. He says, I myself will awake. Thank you. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. David said that his heart was established. It was fixed. It was focused on God. He says he's going to sing and give praise. Then he tells himself a reminder, awake up my glory, awake psaltery and harp. We know David played the harp, right? But he said, I myself will awake early. Seem to remember that most of the characters in the Bible who God used had a habit in their life, which is a habit that we all struggle with, right? Um, maybe it comes easy for you. 
but getting up is not always an easy task. And he says, I myself will awake early. Part of his heart being fixed was his schedule was fixed. Okay? Part of his heart being fixed was his schedule was fixed. And all God's people said, I mean, he had a schedule that was depend dependable and you could rely on that. He says three times a day he arose in Psalms 5 and verse 3. Three times a day he got up early. He talked about re waking up early to meet with God. Everybody is anchored to something. And we each have something that we're fixed on. Someone we want to be like. It takes time to establish and to reestablish our hearts. And my friends, what we are seeking to do in the house of faith, what I'm seeking to do for my children, what I'm seeking to do uh, as we try to continue to move forward as a church, is that we would be anchored on Jesus Christ. Um, if we're anchored on something else, it falls apart. Um, maybe you have a goal. The American dream is, you know, to retire early, right? And have a, what do they say when you retire early? You have a what kind of a life? An easy life, right? But uh, from, from the hundreds of people that I have as friends who are around the nation, around the world, who have retired, uh, their general assessment to me is that retirement's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, it's still stressful. And frankly, I believe the greatest stress of retirement can be regret and a loss of purpose. I think that sometimes that's the greatest stress of retirement. It's regret and a loss of purpose. And so uh, we shouldn't set out on life saying, man, I just want to finish life. I want to finish my job so I can go retire and have an easy life. Uh, the Bible says, thou fool. Okay? That should not be the goal. Now, when you finish your job, it's great to retire. Retirement is a good thing. But we never finish working as long as we're alive. Okay? Uh, we never finish serving God. And Ezra prepared his heart. Could this be the secret to walking with God? Preparing our hearts? Heart preparation. The scripture makes a great emphasis on the heart and how out of the heart proceed the issues of life. Uh, as I was preparing this and thinking of this, uh, there was a proverb that we were reading that very next day, and the proverb talked all about the heart. And I was going to preach on that proverb, and the Lord directed me to preach on this passage, but I will tell you that I think that passage goes with this passage, and there's a lot in Proverbs about the heart. And there's so much in that passage that I saved that for another day. Um, but in this passage here in, in Ezra 7, we see some things about how Ezra's heart was anchored. When somebody's climbing up ice like that, I, I personally don't want to do that. Any of you really aspire to go climb, climb a mountain like that? Have any of you done this? Okay. You have. Wow. Ice? You climbed up ice. Okay. You're one of the more... Uh, courageous people in the room, okay? I personally, uh, Travis, it's not my interest to climb up, to climb up the ice like that, uh, climb up a glacier. But this is in Montana, this picture right here. And you see that that person is anchored. And what I noticed in the picture, I do not see any rope above them. That scares me. Okay? Personally, and you know what? In your life, you might feel a little bit nervous because those who have gone on before you and maybe above you and more spiritual than you, they may fail, they may fall, the rope may let loose. My friend, you be anchored to Jesus. You, you hook on, okay? <laughs> you get the hook set. 
Uh, everybody's anchored to something. Don't hold on to other people. You hold on to Jesus, okay? And uh, we ought to be anchored on Christ. And we each have something we're anchored on, we're fixed on, someone we want to become like. Uh, you hang out with people, you figure out what their interests are, right? We all have different things that interest us and things that we're focused on. Ezra simply planned to seek. He set out on a plan. The first place this morning we see in the text, he had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. The word prepared speaks of also a planning. And Ezra had a planning that went on in his life. He planned to seek God. You know that we do whatever we plan to do, ultimately, don't we? I mean, if we plan, like today you woke up and you planned to come to church. If you had planned to go to Six Flags, would you not have gone? If you had planned, I don't even know if they're open right now, okay? But if you had planned to go to the lake, would you not have gone to the lake? I mean, we plan to do whatever's important to us. And Ezra planned to seek God. He set out on a plan. He set out on a mission to seek God. Look in this verse, and we'll see uh, a verse in Scripture speaking of this in 2 Chronicles, or 1 Chronicles 22, verse 19. It says, now set your heart and your soul to, what does he say? Your heart and your soul to do what? To seek. to seek the Lord your God, he says. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God unto the house that is to be built in the name of the Lord. They did not have heavy equipment. They didn't have hydraulics back then that we know of. And they built the house of God and they we're talking about massive boulders they moved to build the sanctuary of the Lord. It took a lot of heart setting. Because can you imagine the guys and the frustration? You're chipping out the rock. The Bible says that they, there was not a hammer or chisel heard in the house of God. That means they prepared all that work before they ever got to the temple site. Which I personally cannot imagine the amount of diligence and labor that went into that. Understanding how, how labor intensive this whole project was. But can you imagine that one of us is working, we're working together on this, and one just kind of accidentally chips the rock wrong, and we just got the rock all chipped out, and it's all ready to go, and then somebody flubs up, and, ah, oh, they just ruined the rock. And can you imagine the temptation to say a few words, right? Like, we've worked on this rock for three days, right? <laughs> I mean, you, talk, you look in the Bible passage, there was thousands of people working to build this. And can, can you imagine thousands of people working to build one building, the stress that was involved in all of that? So he says how they did it. Why? How are they going to do it? Set your heart and soul to seek God. They were set, they were determined to build a house for God, and they set their heart and their soul to do it. And aren't you thankful that the temple was built? Okay, It's a beautiful, majestic building that was built to worship God. And I thank God for those who worked to build this place so that we could worship God here. And we owe them a debt of gratitude for that. Rehoboam, though, Rehoboam had a legacy. His legacy was different. And when we talk about preparing our heart to seek God, look at what happened to Rehoboam. And he, Rehoboam, did evil because he... Huh. Prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So Rehoboam planned to do something other than seek God. He didn't make a plan to seek God. He didn't prepare his heart, so he didn't do it. And it turns out Rehoboam was kind of a mess. And he led the nation for, can you imagine this? We have, we have presidents served for potentially up to eight years. 
which is a scary thought in this current situation. Um, Rehoboam reigned for 17. Can you imagine a nasty king for 17 years, what that would do to a nation? And he reigned for 17 years, okay? Rehoboam, this wicked man, he did evil because he prepared. So for 17 years, they had a king that didn't prepare his heart to seek God, all right? He was 41 years old, it says, when he began to reign in the passage. And he reigned for 17 years as the king. Can you imagine that? That means that you young people in the room, you would now be in your 30s or 40s, and you would still have the same uh, in the passage, knuckle-headed king, foolish king, ruling the nation. Can you imagine growing up in that kind of an environment? That would be pretty crazy. So he did evil because he didn't, not because, huh, he didn't do evil because of his home life. He didn't do evil because of his parents. He didn't do evil because of his church. He didn't do, do evil because he didn't grow up in a Christian home. No, he did evil because he didn't set out his heart to do right. He didn't plan to seek God. Those who follow God simply set out and have a plan to do it. And that's what Ezra had. Get a plan. Plan to seek God. Um, be careful uh, talking to even spiritual leaders today because you might get discouraged. I often walk away discouraged by the carnality that's being endorsed from the pulpit. And I, I truly believe what's happening today is that every man just does whatever's right in his own eyes. And we seem to be missing a fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, when I think of this truth and how we ought to prepare our heart, this phrase came to mind, anybody can be clever, but only God gives wisdom. Anybody can be clever. And by the way, we have a lot of cleverness going on in the, in the ministry even today, but God gives wisdom, all right? And wisdom is very different than being clever and cunning. So Ezra set out to seek God. He was planning to seek God, and he went out and did it. Secondly, this morning, he purposed to do. He purposed to do it. You say, Ezra not only sought after God, but he purposed to do it. He anchored his life around the principles of God's word. You and I will do whatever we set out to do. You will do whatever you plan to do. Isn't that true? Have you ever done something you did not plan to do? You say it was an accident, yes. But sometimes the accident happened because we didn't plan to not have, okay? So we will do whatever we plan to do, and Ezra purposed to do this. Look at Proverbs 20. Every purpose is established by, what does it say? Y'all help me today. Make sure you're awake today. Every purpose is established by? And with good advice, make war. The purpose is established by counsel. You know why some people have a deep walk with God? They purposed to seek good counsel. They purposed to seek good counsel. Nobody accidentally follows God. It's a purpose thing. We do it on purpose. He purposed to follow God. Um, Look, when my wife and I got married, we planned to have kids, but we didn't know that uh, we didn't know if we would ever be able to have kids. Okay, we we didn't think that we would, but we had a plan that hopefully we would be able to have kids. By the way, nobody has kids by accident, um, despite, despite what culture says, and we plan to raise them for God. That's very important. Now we have kids, uh, and every day they have God's word read to them in the home. Uh, church is indeed a product of the home, 
and every purpose is established by counsel. Now, I grew up in a home where the Bible was read every day in the home. But most of my siblings do not go to church. Neither does my dad go to church now. Okay? So this hits pretty, pretty deep, right? But all because my dad read the Bible to me in the home, and there were some obvious failures in the home, doesn't mean that I throw out the baby with the bathwater like many that I know who raised their kids in this generation and say, well, because there was a bad example, the parents did this type of discipline, they did this type of situation or whatever, so now we're going to throw it all out and we're going to try to reinvent the wheel. No. There was just a few little tiny things that needed to be adjusted. You understand? So I respect and love my dad, and he did very much good for me. The word that I read is in my heart today. Hearing the Bible read every day in the home, I memorized most of Proverbs as a child because I heard Proverbs every day for the first about 13 years of my life. Okay? So 13 years of my life, 365 days a year, I heard Proverbs read. Now, was it lived out in the home? Was all the wisdom from that book lived out? Of course it wasn't. If it was, things would have been different. But my friend, that's not to accuse or put anybody down because we all make failures. I'm making failures as a parent right now too. You understand? But we ought to be able to recognize and identify in love a particular failure and then say, but this is the strength. The strength is the word of God. So every family that raises their kids to love God, it happens in the home. It does not happen in the church first. It happens in the home that they learn to love Jesus. And you can you find that well-established in the Word of God. Hezekiah um, was a king or a man who was greatly used by God because of his home life. And Timothy was greatly used of God because of his home life. So what happened in the home is very important. What you purpose to do, you will do. And so uh, we, we decided when we had children that we were going to start to read to them. You know how much of a battle that was? And still to this day, we have a little tiny baby, right? And we have two other children that are rambunctious and don't always understand. And we have to explain. And sometimes they're just hearing it, but they're not. That's okay. They're hearing it, but you know what? They heard it. And eventually they will memorize the word of God just by simply hearing it. But it's by lovingly continuing to reinforce the same things. We're learning. We're trying to grow in this area. But you know what? I thank God for the counselors who are helping me, okay? And so uh, every purpose is established by counsel. You don't have a Christian home without counsel, and we need counsel. We need good advice. Get good advice. Ezra purposed to do it, okay? He set out with a plan, and he, because he had a plan to seek God, and he had a plan to do whatever God said, his life was different. The church is a product of the home. How often do we hear the opposite way around, right? That the, the home is a product of the church. I disagree. The church is a product of the home. If the church is on fire for God, the homes have been on fire for God. Would you read that together with me? I want you to think about this. Okay, let's say it together. The church is a product of the home. If the church is on fire for God, the homes have been on fire for God. You notice, my friend, 
when there's a walk with God, it's contagious. And you've seen people recently get saved, start to follow God. It's exciting. It's exciting. And when the home is on fire for God, it livens up the house of God. Okay? So Ezra had a plan. He set out with a purpose to seek God. He was going to seek God. He was going to be established in the word of God. He was going to follow God, purposing to do. And because he did those two things, in verse 10 we see. This is all in verse 10. So he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it. And then it says to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. Ezra was prepared to teach not because Ezra went to Bible college and got training. Ezra was prepared to teach not because Ezra was brilliant and eloquent. Ezra was prepared to teach because he had sought out and he had chosen to seek God and to do whatever God's word says. And because of that, now he's prepared to teach. Okay? The preparation to teach doesn't come because we just became eloquent. It comes because we had a personal walk with God, seeking and doing on our own before we ever went and did it, taught it. Okay? And it's, haven't you ever, have you ever tried to teach something that you didn't know? That was me trying to teach Spanish in high school. Okay? I was at this high school and I was supposed to teach Spanish. I could speak it fluently. But I had no desire to be a teacher okay, of Spanish. I did it because there was a side job that came with it. The pastor said, if you can come here and you'll work in our Christian school 40 hours a week, you can have the privilege to work on the side for free, starting a Spanish church. And you know what? I signed up and said, here, this is me because I want this. And I wanted to, to pastor a church. Okay? And so I took it with the commitment to be a teacher, which I did not like. That was not my calling. That was not my desire. But I, I did it because of the opportunity I was going to have over here to, to, to minister and to be able to pastor Spanish work. I will tell you, though, that in the classroom, I struggled. You know why? Because I wasn't exactly prepared to teach. I didn't take one class in Bible college on how to teach high schoolers. But I did learn that there's a lot that I did not know. Okay? And trying to teach, trying to communicate. I remember the Bible class. We were supposed to teach to Christian kids. Bible. That was the class that they despised. Now, they didn't know the Bible, but they just had a real hatred for it. And it was sad because it was a Christian school. And I'll tell you, Bible class was the class where the most pranks were played. I had 36 kids in that class. And I will tell you, those high schoolers, one of them brought in a beep-beep truck. A little truck for the little kids. And he brought that truck in, in his backpack. And he set it down right there on his desk. And he was pressing the little button and making that thing go off. Well, you know... As a teacher, I just said, hey, come bring it up to me, right? He brought it up to me as an obedient 17-year-old. Uh, and when I was writing on the screen a few minutes later, I was writing up on the board, and you know what he did? Him and his clever little pals, they snuck that little truck underneath one of their desks and started pressing the buttons a few minutes later, okay? <laughs> I learned that I did not know much about teaching the kids and there was of course they had what I found out later is they had ran over about five or six other teachers in the high school before me and they were really they were more experienced than I was about how to behave in the classroom and what I mean by that is they knew how to push every teacher's buttons because they had pushed every other teacher's buttons and they were smart at it and uh, they knew how to get away with it and they knew they could get demerits and go straight to the principal and get them erased so they knew there was absolutely nothing I could do 
And uh, so they had fun. And I learned a lot that year, right? And I learned about how I was not exactly as prepared as I could have been. Had I gone into it again, I would have probably started with a little bit more humor um, and, uh, and lightened the mood up a little bit more. But I didn't know exactly what I was getting into, okay? So I wasn't exactly prepared. And I tell you, we all go through times in our life where we may not be prepared for what we're dealing with. But Ezra prepared his heart to teach, okay? That was part of the preparation. He was studying the Word of God, which would have not have been as easy as it is today to study because it would have been in big scrolls. But Ezra set out and prepared. We hear of this man, Jehoshaphat, the Bible says of him, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, the king, that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. You know why the king was doing good? He prepared his heart to seek God. The reason Jehoshaphat was considered to be a good king was not because of just what he did, but because he prepared his heart to seek God. Ezra did this. Jehoshaphat did this. We read about Jeroboam who did not do this. And we see that there's great importance in doing it. We're the product of a few generations that were very weak on the seeking and the doing. And so teaching was missing the power. The law of God is a gift. It's the guidepost for life. And understanding and appreciating what the Old Testament says is a key to avoiding worldly living in the New Testament age, in the age of grace. And understanding and appreciating what God has given to us. God simply wanted his people to be holy and distinct. You ever read these Old Testament laws and you get a little bit overwhelmed and you say, God seemed to be so harsh, people will say. He was so, he was so cruel, because often people view it that way. But my friend, in the Old Testament laws, you're simply viewing the holiness of God. And when you see how somebody who committed adultery was actually killed in the Bible many times. You see these things, you say that was so harsh of God. You know, if such a penalty existed, there would be a lot less cheating in the world. Okay? If, if the God laid those consequences down because he knew in his holiness and perfection that if he laid a consequence like death in front of people, they'd be far less tempted to sin. The problem is today, we know we can get away with almost anything, right? And because of that, there is more sin in the land. God wanted them to manifest to the world that they loved God more than the world. He said to be distinct. They were to be different. The other nations were to look at them and see that they were different. And they ought to look at us and see that there's a difference because of that we have prepared our heart to seek and to do and to teach the word of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The New Testament laws were simply based on the Old Testament laws. And Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. So Jesus fulfilled the very law of God. He prepared his heart to do that. And I tell you, if we will teach the word of God, if we will teach the word of God, we should have a personal daily walk with God, loving and leaning on his word each day. You see that tree? It's a pine tree growing out of the side of that mountain cliff. If you or I were to plant, say, our corn, our green bean plant, our um, flowers, whatever type of vegetable, maybe you want to plant your cucumbers, I don't think they would survive right there. That tree, though, 
a bird more than likely defecated on that rock, more than likely, and that's how the seed got there. More than likely, it was carried there by a bird or some other creature. And that seed got firmly planted and maybe even a nest from an animal. I don't know how it got there, right? But somehow there was enough there to cause that seed to rot, to germinate, and to begin to grow in the side of a rock cliff. You might feel like your walk with God, you're trying to build it on a rock cliff. But don't give up. If we will teach the word of God... Simply let the roots grow. It's letting God do what he wants to do. It's having a plan. Okay, we do whatever we plan to do. That tree has a God-given plan. God built into that, that seed, into that acorn, right? Uh, not the acorn, the uh, pine, pine cone. God built into it so that it opens up. It begins to germinate. It begins to grow. And God designed that. By the way, anybody who talks at least, all these people focusing on how, you know, we're just whatever we think we want to be, right? He talk, talks in terms of human sexuality. They need to look back at nature a little bit more and see how God has literally built design, intelligent design into everything. I mean, this pine tree automatically grows and produces pine, okay? I mean, and there's all the different varieties of them. Um, Aberverites and all these other uh, fancy names, right? The, all these different types of of trees and plants that God has designed, and they grow from the seed that God put in the ground. And they go, grow by intelligent design. See, that, that seed right there began to grow in the middle of a place that nothing else would be able to grow because it was following the design of its maker. We have a design that our maker has for us. God might want you to be a cucumber plant, okay? He might want you to be a little bit different, okay? But we have a design that God built into us, and if we'll follow the design, the Bible is very clear in Psalms 1, it's going to be like a tree, a tree planted by rivers of water. So God wants us to be like a tree, to grow, to flourish, and we're simply letting God do his work. If the tree gave up, the tree would not be able to grow. But the tree simply needs water, and it needs ground to grow in, some fertilizer, and God prepares these things to grow. So if we teach the word, we ought to have a personal daily walk with God, leaning upon the word of God. This morning, we simply want to ask God to help us to be like Ezra. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it in Israel, the statutes and judgments. By the way, we're each teaching something. Everybody's teaching. You just hang out with anybody. They're teaching you something. And we're all learning from one another. And we're teaching. And whether or not we actually uh, put, are in a position where we may influence people in a classroom style or in a lecture style, we have an opportunity to teach through our very life the way we drive on the road, the way we act, the way we behave, the way we shop, the way we interact with society. We are teaching by the way we live. And Ezra set out to seek God. He purposed to do. And he prepared to teach. If you set out on anything, you can do it. If you set your heart and mind on it. And if you want to walk with God, my friends, it's really simple. We say, you know what? I love this book. There's a lot of other things in the world that are distracting me right now. And so because I love this book, 
I'm going to esteem it, like David said, above my necessary food. And so for the next week, because I've been neglecting this book, I'm going to make a plan to read this book before I eat my meal. You'd start reading your Bible a whole lot faster every day. Right? If you're struggling reading this book, esteem it more than your necessary food. Put it ahead of the food. You say, I really like to watch this movie. How do we, how do we set our heart? Well, before we watch your spouses or you say to yourself, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever stage of life you're at, I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to watch this entertainment. I'm going to watch this YouTube. I'm going to watch this video. Before you do that, first, excuse me, um, I can't watch with you, dear, because I didn't read my Bible yet. You know what? You say, but family time's more important. Whatever is important is important. Okay? Ezra set out to seek the law of God. Your family time will only be as strong as this. And look, there are seasons we go through, and I go through seasons like this in my life, where God puts you through something that's, that discourages you, frustrates you, and you might read this book, and you might not get much for a few months. Okay? I know what that's like. But if you give up, you're never going to get anything. Okay? All because I'm not getting something from the word of God at times doesn't mean the word has failed. Doesn't mean I need to avoid the fertilizer. Doesn't mean I need to avoid the water. No. It's that there's something going on in my soul that needs to be tilled up. So keep preparing your heart and keep seeking. And all of a sudden, then, I'll, then a verse sticks out to you and you're like, wow, I'm thankful I kept moving forward. So don't give up seeking. Don't give up because you will find what you're looking for. You might go through a season like that. You might be in a season like that. I was in a season like that not too long ago. And I went through a season for a good while. Or look, I tell you, sometimes you go through a season where something happens to you and you don't understand why God allowed it to happen. Instead of focusing on that, you just give thanks to God and you keep going back to his word. And God kept giving, giving me things. But I knew the joy wasn't where it ought to be. Keep seeking. You prepare your heart. And what does God do? You purpose to do. What does God do, man? He enables you to teach a lesson because your life manifests his presence then. Look, if you do not know Christ, it's impossible to seek the word of God and truly find because the natural man does not perceive the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him for they're spiritually discerned. So if you're going to receive the truth of this book, you have to receive Jesus Christ. You have to come to him in faith accepting his gift of salvation, trusting in his nail-scarred hands, believing on Christ. And when we believe on Jesus Christ and put our faith in that he died for us, was buried, and rose again the third day, then God gives us the power to live the Christian life. It does not come from getting better. It does not come from trying harder. It comes from following Christ. But when we follow Christ, we do have to keep trying. We do have to keep dying daily. We do have to keep deciding. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Will you... Let God reestablish your heart, a well-established heart. Like Ezra, who was in the midst of a nation where the temple had now been destroyed, in the midst of a nation where they were going to have to go back and rebuild things, Ezra purposed in his heart. He planned. Would you plan today? Would you simply make a commitment to the Lord, one simple commitment? Lord, I am planning to seek you. I'm planning to do. And Lord, I'm going to do those two things. I'm going to plan to seek, and I'm planning to do and if you do those two things, you will teach because everybody's teaching something. Lord, I want to prepare to seek and to do. Let's stand together and ask God to help us to do this today.
Ask God to help reestablish our heart in the word of God. We want to live manifesting that Jesus Christ is real. Will you prepare? Will you let God reestablish your heart wherever you're at? Look, we all go through these low spots. We all go through these times of discouragement wherever you're at. Will you find the grace of God today? And would you reestablish? Lord, I reestablish. Lord, I recommit. That's what the people of Israel did. Continually they had to come back and recommit because of their human nature. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this challenge from the life of Ezra. He purposed to do it. He set out. He fixed himself on a goal to follow you. And Lord, we want to do that. And so as a group together, we're asking you to help us to seek you, to follow you, Lord, and to flee uh, anything that would be hindering us from walking with you. And Lord, I pray that you would manifest yourself to us and that we would see Jesus for who he is. I pray for those in the room who have not yet put their faith in Christ. They would call upon your name. They would look to Jesus and they would be saved. And Lord, we do pray that you would minister to those who are watching by way of live stream and minister to their hearts and strengthen them today as well. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts this morning. As the piano begins to play, would you just take a moment right now where you are at and you, you're, in your, you're standing right there in your seat and with their heads bowed and eyes closed, would you do something that maybe you haven't done in a while? Would you just simply humbly kneel before God either there in your seat or would you come forward and do it? Would you humbly kneel before God and would you just say, Lord, help me, I need you. I want to seek and I want to do. I want to seek and I want to do. And I'm going to set out to do that. By the grace of God, would you come and pray? Would you seek God right where you're at? 